0: Welcome to my Daily Dispatch. This is Brad Inman. We're all here to figure out this crazy moment in time together. Today I have three data geeks. Patrick Dealing, a longtime industry observer, a data analyst with real data strategy, always using data as his lens to figure out what's going on at in the industry. We also have Mike Simonson, someone who's a, a Burning Man dude, I know that, and he uh, who also has been around for at least a decade, I think, Mike, you can tell me, but also giving us really invaluable data to make better decisions. And we have Katie Ragusa, who, did I get that right, Katie? You
1: gave me the pronunciation, right? <laughs> Ragusa, like the spaghetti sauce, ragu. Oh,
0: jeez, I, I knew I'd screw that up, and, and you even wrote out the pronunciation. Well, we got Katie here, and she's VP of product at Tribus. Um, and so what we're going to do here, gang, is kind of go through, and we're going to do some screen... Sh- well, actually, you know, I just realized this is all audio. We can't do screenshots.
2: Okay. Um,
0: yeah, so uh, it just hit me. We were going to do screenshots, but uh, we're on Zoom, but uh, it's entirely audio. People have been encouraging us to do video, but I don't want anyone to see my living room. But uh, so let let's go through first kind of overall. It's interesting now, suddenly it seems to me that the average American is more interested in data uh, than they've ever been because of the pandemic, where we're trying to use data to confirm the facts. Uh, One obsession I have is the the infection and the death rate, you know, the the effect of compounding worries me because I know compounding interest certainly served me well over my lifetime and the compounding death toll. But I think people are all looking for facts in the midst of so much information and data, of course, is probably or can be the most reliable fact. Do you all? I'm just curious. It, it, am I wrong in this? You know, instant Brad analysis. Do, do you see people being more fascinated by data? Y-
2: any one of you, speak up. You know, it, um, I know. You know, one of the things we've been communicating to this is Mike Simonson from Altos. We We've been communicating with our agents is that uh, in a fear based world, the data is the antidote. To the fear. And so it's like that is the thing that we grasp for for reality. So um, I, uh, I presume that 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 people are indeed more um, You know, more uh, Like interested in the data, but because certainly it helps us understand right helps us the fear of the unknown and we start conquering that fear.
0: Katie, how about you? Are you getting more requests from your clients than ever, or do you see anything different in the landscape about data? Has data somehow become more important?
1: Yeah, I mean, even personally, I'm watching the news constantly, but I've seen communication go up, actually, in our clients. Like, They're using our chat system, they're communicating with each other, they're hosting daily meetings, so even internally, they're staying in sync more and talking about the data and having those conversations and Hopefully some of that will carry on um, and just be more communicative within the brokerage.
0: You know, one thing I love about Patrick Veeling is over the years, he'll send me a note and say, this guy's saying this on your side, or this guy's saying this, or this guy was quoted here. But it defies the data, Brad, and the data says X. And then he sends me a little chart or a little piece of information. Um, Patrick, what's your take on this? big picture question. Is data becoming more important to all of us?
3: Absolutely, I think as we as we manage through this, data is going to become more and more important. And for me, Brad, it points out a significant weakness in the industry's ability to look at transaction-based data in real time across the entire US. When you consider that there are 750 multiple listing services, none of which talk to one another, None of, frankly, who like one another. Um, and there is significant demand for understanding the state of the industry and the state of transactions at any given time.
0: Uh, you know, Patrick, you're right on. Because right now, I'm asking all the big shots, what's your dashboard say? And they kind of BS and say, well, my dashboard. I, go, I know you got a dashboard. I got a dashboard in every every reader of Inven News every minute. I mean, not right. who they are, but you know what I'm saying? We all have dashboards. We have income dashboards. In- right. A couple of them have said, I said, give me your daily, like, what's the dashboard saying, you know, transactions today? And some I don't think have the data and others haven't. They don't want to reveal it. But let's keep going here. Uh, Let me jump back to my one piece of data that I am, you know, fascinated by. And I saw you put on Twitter. And this came out of the uh, just today, I think the San Francisco Business Times. By the first week of March, California and New York State were neck and neck on cases of. Of uh, the coronavirus, but over the past week, by the way, I'm reading here, gang. But over the past week, New York cases counts have doubled every few days. The state now has ten times the cases of California, is driving the national epidemic. Mike, what you put on uh, Twitter was, "Aha! Does this mean the states that were quick to quarantine, to quick to isolate, um, you know, maybe are faring better than those states that hesitated?" It seems like a pretty sweeping commentary. Um, I don't know if it's true, but maybe briefly before we, I want to jump into real estate as quickly as we can, but is there any evidence at all that that data shows that those places that isolated first or you know, have a higher survival rate or something?
2: Well, the thing, that's exactly what I was interested in, right? I noticed that we were acting more quickly in California than they were elsewhere. And I was, uh, because I, I was, all of a sudden I was isolated, but I had friends the rest of the country who were not. and um, And I was curious if that was, A week later, I was like, is that having any any impact? Um, And so I looked at, I just grabbed some of the open data that they publish out and um, it sure looks to me uh, like I'm just plotting out, I'm not making projections, I'm just looking backwards and I was plotting, you know, we, um, California, in terms of the two major ways to measure total number of cases uh, and total deaths, is on a significantly lower curve than say New York, like a lower, less steep. Yep. Um, it, exactly. it, it's early and like, there's a lot we don't know, but as you know, and, I, and that's why when I published it, I was like, I just was curious and this is what I looked up. Um, I, I know that um, uh, we're not, New York's testing a lot. So, so they're also finding more. Uh, so there's but, probably
0: outliers here that, you know, we don't know yet know if that's true, but it's interesting to see.
2: It sure is. And on the death rate, of course, though, it is true, right? And so we are measuring, like that is pretty precise. And, and so on the, the actual cases that result in death, uh, California is on a lower curve than New York.
0: You know, I posted yesterday on Twitter that uh, 50 people died on average a, a day during Vietnam, the worst year, 1968. And yesterday we had 225 people that died in the U.S. the coronavirus. And oh my God, they jumped down my throat and gave me all the cancer numbers and the, the flu, flu epidemic. And or, you're so stupid, but, but that's the ideological debate. Let's not get into that. Let's jump into some numbers, Katie. What I love, you track leads, and tell me if I got that right. And uh, you are traffic. You were, You're also uh, tracking. Uh, online looking at real estate from various client sites Um, tell me what you're learning about our behavior as consumers when it comes to are we looking at real estate more or less and why the hell are we doing it if we you know aren't likely to go visit is it just our nature or, or is home have some sort of meaning now lay out some numbs so that we can try to understand this
1: Sure. Yeah. So Trivis hosts um, real estate brokerage websites and we have small, medium, and some large sized brokerage websites. So um, typically we see traffic spikes on like Monday and Tuesdays around 11 AM when people get a little bored. Um, you know, they get a case of the Mondays and that's when they're online, mostly searching for homes. Um, over the past month, that trend has really changed and we're kind of seeing a developing pattern that, every day anytime is monday or tuesday at 11 a.m now where everybody's on their computers um, and buyers are still on these websites we're still getting lead generation um so comparatively to like last spring market when we're expecting really high traffic yeah overall traffic is in some cases lower some cases holding flat but actually in the past week we're seeing it take an uptick again, where um, people are learning that they can do their research online, even though they can't necessarily go out and see a home, even more reason to compare properties and use online tools, virtual tours, all of that, because they can't get out and see it in person. So we've seen some traffic um, actually swing up the past week in most of our markets, small, big markets. Um, Some are still down. Uh, There's some luxury clients that we have, um, they 're in the top tier of their market, some second home communities, uh, the bay Area, those are all like overall traffic and, and lead registrations are down. but for the majority of our clients um, it 's holding or up
0: so it's interesting uh, by the way, can you all hear me now? I just sort of blip in the, end of the phone system oh good um, it 's interesting to me this idea that it 's not the end of the world like there 's something at the other end, right, and so people looking for houses probably know damn well they're not going to go look at houses this month or next month or buy this month but it's not like the psyche of the human being here is to give up it's and looking for homes is kind of you know the one of the most aspirational things we do and so the the good news some things will not the pre-corona stuff we did that was stupid and unnecessary and highly consumptive and dangerous to the world i think will stop i hope and then some of the things like yeah we all need shelter we all need a house you know that's still going to be part of that aspirational part of our soul is still gonna exist. That's my color commentary on your data. Let, okay. We'll get back to more data. Katie, I wanna know like whose sites might they be going to more likely than others? And then let's look at some regional differences, maybe some anecdotes. Um, Mike, let's jump into some of the data you have. You got some great charts. And what I do promise, I'll take all these charts if you can send them to D-A-N I at inman.com and we'll publish those along with the story so our readers can can see your charts. Mike, what have you seen? You've got some up to minute data and, and any anecdotes or interesting stuff you're seeing?
2: Yeah, so the you know what's really interesting is through the beginning of March, it was a hot year. The the market was really, the inventory is super tight, um, 12% lower than last year at this time uh, and, and uh, you know mortgage rates are good so the economy was good. Like. So those were all super. um, They they the 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 market was was moving pretty much across the board, Um, and then um, you know the the. So we are we were at um, a record low inventory across the country, seven hundred and thirty-seven thousand single-family homes this year, way down. and uh and so what's um,
0: happened since mike
2: so what's interesting is since normally mid-march is when we get our spring climb of inventory new stuff gets listed new stuff and uh what's happening is that it's flat it's not much getting listed and not and fewer that are being absorbed each week um there's still some uh, some are you saying are you saying is that because
0: people Just like buyers are not buying, sellers are not listing. And so the squeeze that was on hasn't gone up or hasn't gone down. That's right. So So we we have static inventory. There's not more houses. We still have an inventory problem. We have no buyers. Now, does that eventually, I wonder what happened. No one lists maybe for a while during the deep freeze, as I call it. But then um, there are no buyers. Uh, People will probably take their homes off the market. Be interesting to watch
2: that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. we haven't seen a ton getting pulled yet. It's, I mean, it's, we're, you know, 10 days in, right? Um, So we, uh, so we haven't seen, we track things like um, uh, relist percent. So the percentage of properties on the market that have pulled and and relisted. And, you know, you'll see uh, the second week of January, a spike of relistings every year because they come off over Christmas and now they get relisted. Yeah. but uh, and so what you'll see then, depending on how long the deep freeze goes, you'll see those pull and come out later. You know, get gotcha. relisted later. But that's not in the data yet because they're not they're not ready to yep. start relisting. Yep. Gotcha. Um, so, hey, let's so. let's
0: move on to the next one, Patrick. Any let, let's try to keep this to to small bites. Uh, any insight from your data, current and and let's try to deal with the current. We all know. I mean, we don't all know, but. We were, like, like Mike said, this year was shaping up to be a killer year. I mean, it was going to be, money was going to be made in real estate beyond the wildest imagination, and suddenly it stopped. But any, any insight, Patrick, on any part of this equation?
3: Absolutely. So MLS is a lagging indicator uh, in, in any market. It has become more of a lagging indicator over the last two to three weeks since this has all begun to happen. And so it's not just a question of the fact that there are so many MLSs and aggregating information from each one into some sort of a single national result is a challenge. There's also the problem of agent business practice, frankly, and whether or not agents are even worried about updating their listing statuses in the MLS systems themselves. What we're hearing anecdotally is that rather than cancel listings at the moment, agents are mostly just putting those listings on a status of hold, which basically means that the property is technically still on the market, still under listing contract and quote, still available for sale, unquote. But the biggest issue, of course, is that most sellers don't want buyers who are unqualified and, and and you know, anybody else traipsing through their house at this point in time in the
0: pandemic we're dealing with. So there's the question of... MLS- Patrick, Patrick, that's interesting. So the it's not lazy agents they're putting on hold because it's kind of an admission by the agent community how horrible things are right now and like oh i'll put it on hold i I keep using the word not a depression not a recession this is a deep freeze and so that would be that would be behavior characteristic of you know as robert ruffin calls standing still or the deep freeze right right? is that kind of what you're saying that's
3: exactly what I'm saying, and that's the reason he took the draconian measures of laying off fifteen percent of his people this week
0: yeah yeah because
3: he he sees this in real time within his brokerage firm and you know who who has a better gauge than than Robert on what the reality is at the street level so it's going to take a while for these statistics to become more readily apparent within the MLS environments but that's what we're hearing anecdotally
0: gotcha Katie any color on what Mike and Patrick said but But can we move on? Give us another chunk of of data and insight that you've gotten recently looking at uh, behavior at your broker clients.
1: Um, One market I was really surprised to see, Oahu, Um, that's even holding um, as far as lead generation and um, web traffic. But Minneapolis is up 12% in uh, leads, lead registrations. from
0: Minneapolis?
1: Minneapolis, um, at, at least where we have a client um a presence there so i don't have data on the city as a whole Um, but our a big broker there they have um, an increase in 12 percent of lead registration so not only are consumers searching and looking at photos and those virtual tours but they've actually got more people requesting help from an agent since they can't go in and see those properties and ask those questions on site so so that's
0: probably a, a, a Midwestern stoic characteristic, you know, they, uh, they don't really like to talk to people anyway. And uh, oh, I'm going to get trashed by Teresa Boardman, our writer from Minnesota. But the other thing, it's a state, Teresa told us, we're used to being isolated, you know, they're, they're stuck in their homes all the time. So maybe there's something there too. People want to go to Minnesota where they already have learned to isolate, maybe. Um, any, go on, you got a couple more markets, any color on anything?
1: Sure. So some of our clients that are getting um, taken a hit are some of the Sotheby's, the more luxury brands, um, anyone who, any agent within a brokerage who already specialized in like the top 5% average list price of their community. That's taking a hit. We're definitely seeing um, 20. Luxury
0: generally, you're saying the luxury.
1: Yep, highest priced homes in the market, like that type of traffic, at least 20% of a decrease is what we're seeing. In some cases, as much as 60%, um, that's really high on one of the markets. But um, generally across the board, no matter what community, what region, 20 to 30% in general uh, decrease in overall traffic. So. So
0: that means the rich are sitting on their hands. We hear stories like, you know, Brokers saying, well, their affluent clients are calling them saying, hey, the stock market's not secure, but a house is, but that doesn't seem to be panning out. I did hear, I'd love to know if you know this, like maybe Hawaii is one example, but uh, Napa Valley is allegedly really hot with wealthy people think, oh, if I'm going to camp out for two months, I want to go to Napa.
1: <laughs> I <Yeah>. would too.
0: <laughs> yeah. The, the, the Hamptons had a flood of activity initially where people, you know, rich people in New York raced out to the Hamptons. Uh, any evidence of any of that where there's certain markets where maybe, you know, uh, I, I talked to Steph on Swanepo the other day and he's, he's camped out in Hawaii on an island. W- w- any evidence of that Any in, in your clients or is it too early to
1: tell? Um, the Hawaii client, uh, that's holding. It's definitely not swinging up. Um, Cedar Rapids was actually really surprising. They've got an almost 40% increase. So Cedar Rapids, the- Iowa. Yes. Wow. So, big broker in a small market, and I love that's it. maybe one that's is there a good team. hospital there or something? <laughs> <I don't
0: know. laughs> maybe they have a stash of uh, testing kits and uh, <laughs> ventilators Come somewhere. <laughs> well, those are good little stories. Make sure you share all that. And let's get the charts, um, Mike. Any other little piece of data here?
2: So, uh, my favorite uh, leading indicator is. The price of the newly listed cohort each week. Um, what happens is when it's it's the it's this really magical wisdom of the crowd thing where um, the realtors see what the demand they know in in their bones where the demand is they know how, where the phone is ringing, and so when they go to list that they price it up a little bit or they price it down a little bit and and so. The, if you measure the homes that came on the market each week, um, we could see that the newly listed um, cohort leads the, the overall market trend by a month. Interesting. Uh, it turns. It turns mid-January in, and the rest of the market finally turns mid-February. Um, and so, you know, that's one of the things that was, the, that's, was showing how steep we were going already for the year. And so the thing I'm going to be watching in the next couple of weeks is that newly listed cohort, and are we are we stable? Are we are we deep freeze holding flat, or is there panic, where the new ones are coming on, going, I got to move this thing, so we're going to price it lower, and we'll see it first in that newly listed cohort. So the price. There's got to the be list- there's
0: got to be a ton of desperate sellers now, and uh, you know, even more desperate in. I gotta boat. Well, there's people all these in the real estate market. Patrick, you can verify this. People have to sell, and By there are there are situations now where people have to sell.
1: That's uh, true. If one nothing of my else, to on... tap
0: their tap their equity for liquidity. Um, and it's going to be interesting to watch how many of those. I mean, theoretically, there could be more, just as there was during the the crash, you know, 12 years ago, because uh, people are desperate economically.
2: So my so I, that I think will will likely be happening. One of the things that that we've said is contributed. The reason that inventory is so low is because mortgage rates have been so low for so long. Our holding cost is very low. So it's like a really good deal to own and keep your keep your mortgage at that low rate. Um, so obviously, after a few months of uh, uh, with spiking unemployment, there's going to be some panic there, but, but holding costs compared to the last cycle. Yeah. Yeah. That's I also think. I also think
3: historically how we've adapted as an industry to a changing market condition. And frankly, we've been in such a good market for so long that when you've got only 60% of agents that belong to an MLS doing one or more transactions in the last 12 months, You've got so few really qualified agents that you've got all these unqualified agents taking unqualified listings. They're overpriced. The sellers aren't motivated, and frankly, that inventory is cluttering up the the serious market uh, inventory where sellers actually do need to
0: sell. You've got too. Many- would this be would this be That's a clearing a function? Gotcha. Would this be a clearing function, Patrick? For that, where those bozos are, you know cleaned out somehow? From your lips to
3: God's ears, Brad, we have <laughs> way too many agents chasing too few transactions yeah. and we have too many unmotivated sellers testing the water. And it, this is the
0: last point in time where that should be the case. Interesting. Hey gang, we are out of time, but let me ask you, can you, I'll do a long wind up here so you get time to think about it. One little nugget of data. Don't over talk it because we're out of time. One little nugget of data inside or outside real estate that you've noticed lately that might be interesting to the Inman listeners. Who, who has one that they can start first? Anyone? I've got one. Okay, go for it.
3: The 80-20 rule that everybody talks about does not apply in our business. It has never applied and it will never apply. When you've got 60% of the agents actually doing something in a one-year period of time... Um, The top 1% are controlling 15% of the business and the top 50% of active agents are controlling 90% of the business. There is a huge compression of business that's going to continue to go to the top 1% of agents, no different than any previous
0: market correction we've seen. Interesting. Katie, you want to give it a whirl?
1: Sure. Um, I think interest rates are really helpful right now. Um, I don't see those going up dramatically anytime soon. I think um, buyers are still motivated to buy and we're missing our big boom in spring market, but it was a hell of a year going into spring so far. So I think we all need to prepare for a really blowout fall. Um, and I think we could still recover, um, with those interest rates low
0: blowout fall. I like that. And that's, that's probably, you know, Goldman Sachs just came out and said Q3 and Q4 are going to be great. Q2 is going to be shit. And so that's the blowout fall quarter. Uh, Mike, you got a wrap data point here? One piece of data that you found? So,
2: yeah, the one thing I'm thinking about that, that um, is seven weeks. So seven weeks, uh, China was in hard lockdown and they got in front of things uh, and then was able to start, uh, you know, letting the economy start to happen again. So I'm, I'm uh, optimistic that we're looking at like, that's our window. And, and, uh, you know, then we can unfreeze the deep freeze.
0: Hey, gang, thank you so much. There's nothing more important than data. And you guys are thoughtful uh, individuals who uh, not only produce data, but think about it. Keep it up. Now, promise me, promise me, Danny, D-A-N-I, at Inman.com, you'll send those graphs. And for our readers and listeners, if you look at that Inman story before, well, after you listen to these three characters, look at their charts. They're really spectacular. They prepared thinking they're going to be able to demo them, which we can't do, Uh, but we're going to share them with you and keep up the good work, gang, and and keep us posted at Inman News so we can get the facts straight with good data. Uh, This is Brad Inman checking out.